Would you bow your heads in prayer with me? Lord, we ask that uh, you would speak your word to us, that you would be present here in the sanctuary today in the word that is spoken, but in every home, on every computer that's tuning in today. Give us ears to hear and to take your word to heart. In your name we pray, amen. You know, I have to admit, I have been tempted to be discouraged this week a little bit at times. I mean, I think things have been really going pretty well here at Fisher's. Attendance has been slowly edging up. The ladies, Fishers, had a great retreat just a couple of weeks ago, beginning of March into February. I think 46 ladies were there. Financially, the church has kind of church turned a corner in the last couple of weeks. I've really been enjoying doing this sermon series on who will roll the stone away. The school has been going well. You know, enrollment has been over what we budgeted, and Enrollment for next year looks good. And then this virus happened. And now I'm worried. Worried about our members. Will anybody get this virus? Worried about friends that I know have been tested. Worried about our medical personnel from our congregation who are on the front lines facing this and wondering how they're doing. Thinking about all of you stuck at home and hoping you're okay. Concerned about, you know, what will this do to the weekly offerings because the expenses won't go down, not that much. Concerned, will people get out of the habit of going to worship on Sunday? And then add to that, last Sunday, while you were, he were all here, I, my back was out. It was hurting. I could hardly sit up and sit, stand up or sit down without pain. And I've been to the chiropractor a couple times this week. But, you know, I haven't been able to go on my walks most days. You know, I lost a lot of weight recently, and I'm worried about gaining it back. What about you? How are you doing? Are you discouraged by COVID-19? Discouraged as you watch the economy tank and the market, your investments crash? Are you concerned and worried about family, about your health, about your jobs? Are you wondering how long will this thing last? I bet we could all come up with all sorts of reasons for being discouraged. You know, the, according to the dictionary, to be discouraged is to lose confidence. It's become dispirited. It's to give up, be ready to give up. It's to lose hope. This stone that we're talking about this week 
is probably one of the devil's favorite tools. You know, the, um, there was a story that the devil once had a um, public auction where he was going to sell all his tools. And one of the guy, people who came to bid on the tools that day noticed a really odd-shaped tool that had a sign on it. And the sign said, not for sale. And so he asked Satan, what's this old tool and why isn't it for sale? And the devil told him, he said, well, most of my tools I can do without, but this one I cannot do without. It's indispensable to me. It's called discouragement. And with discouragement, I can gain access to hearts that are not otherwise accessible to me. And when I get in someone's heart with discouragement, I can plant all sorts of, of evil there. See, the devil uses discouragement to drive a wedge between us and God. And my friends, this is a stone that only God can move away. So that's why we're going to look today at the, the story of Elijah the prophet. We're going to look in 1 Kings chapter 19, because in 1 Kings chapter 19, Elijah is discouraged. Now you need to put it in context, because just a, a chapter earlier, in, in chapter 18, Elijah's had one of the high points, the mountaintop experiences of his ministry. He's, he's challenged the, prophet, the prophets of Baal to a duel and to prove which God is the true God, Baal or the God of Israel. And the prophets of Baal will build their altar and put their sacrifice on it, and Elijah will build an altar to the God of Israel, and he'll put his sacrifice on it, and they'll both pray. And whichever one consumes the sacrifice, that's the true God. The prophets of Baal, they pray all day long and they cut themselves and do all sorts of things and dance around the altar and Baal does nothing. And Elijah, he, he, uh, he soaks his altar and his sacrifice and again and again with gallons and gallons of water. And then he prays to Yahweh, the God of Israel, and fire comes down from heaven and consumes the sacrifice. There's no doubt as to who the real God is. Elijah should have been on top of the world. But then comes chapter 19. And as is so often the case after a mountaintop experience, Elijah experiences a big letdown. We're told that Jezebel, the queen, wants him dead. And so we read that Elijah was afraid and he arose and he ran for his life and that he went a day's journey into the wilderness and he, he asked that he might die. Lord, it's enough now, O oh Lord. Take away my life. I am no better than my father's. 
It's no use, God. I've failed. He's ready to give up. Forty days later, we find him at Mount Horeb, still discouraged, still very discouraged. And he cries out, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. The people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword, and I, even I only am left. And they seek my life to take it away. What I want you to see is how the Lord responds to Elijah. I want you to watch and listen to how God rolls away the stone. See, the first thing God does is he reaches out to us. He reaches out to Elijah. An angel comes to Elijah. Not just any angel either. The second time we're told the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him. Now, <clears throat> when you read that in the Old Testament, the angel of the Lord, that's Normally not just any angel. This is the only angel referred to in Scripture that allows anyone to worship him. This is not a mere angel. This is God himself. Many think the second person of the Holy Trinity, the pre-incarnate Christ, Jesus, coming to Elijah. That's the kind of Savior we have, isn't it? We have a Savior who leaves the 99 in the open country and goes for the search for the one that is lost until he finds him. We have a Savior who comes to seek and to save the lost. We have a Savior who takes on our flesh and blood and in his search, searches everywhere. And his search takes him even to a cross where he suffers. And dies for our sins. And there our discouragement is nailed to the cross for you and for me. And then his search takes him, doesn't it? Takes him to an empty tomb where he rises again that all who believe in him might have life everlasting. Finally, his search brings him to you and me meets us at a baptismal font. There he washes away our sin. He calls you and me by name. He adopts us into his family, makes us his sons and daughters. You know, in the text, the Lord comes to Elijah three times. What could be more encouraging than to know that God never gives up in his search for you and for me? And when he comes, he feeds us to keep us strong for the journey. You know, I sometimes get discouraged, and it's because I'm hungry. I guess you call that the hangries, right? And Linda's... Um, Sure, when she realizes that's what's going on is, is to give me something to eat. And what a difference it makes. Well, that's what God does 
for Elijah here, right? Arise and eat, the angel says, for the journey is too great for you. And Elijah says he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food for 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mountain of God. Folks, God does the same for you and me in our journey. He gathers us for worship, feeds us at his altar, gathers us in Bible study, Sunday school, small groups, your daily devotion. Folks, those are rest stops that God provides so that he can renew and refresh our faith. Now, you all can tell, that's why I stood out here in front, that I am not a marathon runner. You're probably thinking, run? Are you kidding? But I worked for a marathon runner, my boss at Concordia, Dr. Ferry. I remember in one of our weekly meetings, he shared with me that when you're running a marathon, I don't know why he thought I might need to know this, but when you're running a marathon, you got to take water every time it's offered. Because if you wait until you're thirsty, it's too late. You'll get dehydrated. You won't finish the race. Well, folks, we are in a particularly hard part of the race right now, this COVID-19 virus. And it's especially important right now that we be nourished in our faith. And that's why your church staff is doing so many things right now. Like this live stream and the volunteers that are here helping us, this live stream service online. And I hope everybody's seeing it. And uh, also we're putting up those daily devotions. I'm doing some. Richard's doing some. Kelly, I think, is doing tomorrow. We're going to record a Bible study after this today, the Sunday morning Bible study on Genesis, and then Jonathan's going to put it in YouTube for us, and then we'll let you know the link so you can watch that. We're trying to do all sorts of things to be able to feed and nourish you with God's Word. Be watching our website. Be watching for the things that we're doing. See, we really believe that it's through his word, through the sacrament, that God feeds us for the journey. See, through word and sacrament, God speaks to us his gentle word of encouragement. It's, it's one of my favorite parts of the Elijah story. Remember, Elijah has traveled 40 days and 40 nights, and he's alone, and he's in a cave, and he's ready for God to take vengeance on all of Elijah's enemies. Things have gotten pretty bad, pretty low. The Bible says, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of Israel. Right? He said, for the people of Israel have forsaken 
your covenant. They've thrown down your altars. They've killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. That's when God showed Elijah that his desire was not to speak with a voice of wrath, but with a gentle voice of grace. God said to him, go out and stand in the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountain and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind came an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a gentle whisper. You know, I remember one time as campus pastor, I had one of our young idealistic students come and she was kind of frustrated, I guess, discouraged by some of the behavior of the pre-seminary students. That's right, the guys who were supposed to be going to the seminary. And she said to me, Pastor, you need to bring down some heavy law in your sermon. Or something like that. And I, I responded and I said, well, I could do that. And they might change their behavior for a while, but if they do because of the law, it'll be out of resentment. Because the law can't change their hearts, and so it won't last. Only God's gentle whisper, only the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, only his forgiveness and grace can change hearts. And so in your Discouragement, I invite you to hear God's gentle voice, his word of grace. Be patient, my friends. Trust him. Listen to him. He keeps his promises. And finally, let this encourage you. You're not alone. You know, uh, it says in the scripture here, the next scripture, he says, Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. He is telling Elijah, Elijah, you're not alone, even though it feels like it right now. And, and, and I would say that to all of you today. Stuck at home, some of you alone. You're not alone. You're part of this family, part of the church. We have people all over the world that are your family. And that's why, as a church here, we're doing all those things outlined before on, on the Internet. That's why Richard's going to have a Zoom Bible study. I think it's tonight um, to, uh, for the youth. That's why Christine Favrica and the deaconesses are organizing this effort that if you need somebody to bring groceries to your home, 
because you're in that at-risk group or for any other reason, call Christina, email her, and she'll set that up. You know, yesterday, this is so wonderful. Yesterday, our young neighbors did that for Linda and I. What a gift. And, and fo- we have folks that are calling. Our, our deaconesses and our lay ministers have tried to call all of you. Calling the shut-ins, sending cards. You can do that too. Call one another. Reach out to one another. Check in on one another. See, we may be quarantined or we may be doing our social distancing and maybe stuck in our homes. But that need not discourage us. Because there is nothing in all creation that can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And there is nothing that can break the ties of Christian love that bind us to one another. So take the opportunity, folks. Use FaceTime and use uh, WhatsApp and Skype. And you, you know, I, I did a FaceTime the other day with one of our members who's in the hospital. First time I ever made a hospital call over the internet. You can do that with your friends. Linda and I talked to our son Stephen on WhatsApp and, and video with him over in Germany, where there he's stuck at home. And with our kids in New York and Bethany and her family in, in uh, Denton and John and his family and Brian, use the technology that God has provided at this time. Because folks, let this encourage you. Dispel all discouragement. Whether we are together or separate, we are family in Christ. You are not alone. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which pass all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life that is everlasting. Amen.